Welcome back to the Idle Talk Minis. Today, it's your boy, Fernando, and we're talking about the Boogeyman. The one that came out this year in 2023. Uh, just, I'm going to read you this short synopsis. Before I go into anything else, I'm going to give you my opinion. I think the ratings on this movie are a little bit too harsh, but I understand why. Because it originated from a short story. But, um, uh, and it's a Stephen King movie. Okay, guys, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a blah, 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 blah. It's an adaption of a Stephen King story, so I can see why the movie isn't being rated that favorably, but I enjoyed it very much. I'm going to give you my reading. So INB says it's a 6.1 out of 10. Rotten Tomatoes says it's a 61%. Fandango says it's a 67%. And I'm here to tell you that Idle Talk, well, at least me, because I don't know if they've ever seen it, and I don't think he is, but Idle Talk gives it... A solid seven and a half out of ten. Okay, a little bit better. A little bit better for them in the review category. But here's the synopsis. High school student Sadie Harp and her younger sister, Sawyer, are still reeling from the recent death of their mother. They're not getting much support from their father, Will, the therapist who's dealing with his own intense pain. When a desperate patient unexpectedly shows up at their house seeking help, he leaves behind a terrible supernatural entity that preys on families and feeds on suffering of its victims. Just to get into a little bit of the main character, so again, Sadie Harper is the older sister, and she is played by Sophie Thatcher. If you didn't know, Sophie Thatcher is Natalie in Yellow Jackets. You know, I love that show. It's my favorite show of all time, I think. And then Sawyer is played by Vivian Lyra Blair, and she is Princess Leia in Obi-Wan Kenobi. So a little bit of a connection with the cast already. But let's get into it. So I'm going to slightly spoil it as I remember what happens. So we open up the scene with a cold intro sort of thing. And it's a child, like crying and somebody is telling him it's gonna be okay like shh you're fine da 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 everything's all right you're gonna be okay stop crying boom splat blood splat that kid is dead officially kid is dead and uh, that was the craziest thing i saw so far but um after that cold open now we get to int introduce to our characters so we're getting introduced to Sadie and Sawyer and the dad. So the dad, his name is Will, okay? He's played by Chris Messena? Messena? I don't know how to say his name. But um, he is a therapist, but who, like my boy Omar said, who is your therapist therapist? Because he needed a therapist. Um, just to say that the whole family goes to therapy, but I don't think he goes. So he takes his two daughters to the therapist called Dr. Weller, and she, she's played by Lisa Gay Hamilton. But, so they're going to therapy, the children, as they should, um, but he's not, okay? That's, a, that's a, just a little bit off the, like, off the, like, the first 10, 15 minutes. You can tell that that's happening, and he's not going. So he, he needs that. And by the end of the film, he gets therapy, but... Before that, Sophie and Sawyer are now going back to school, okay, individually, obviously. And after that cold intro, the movie goes in, and Sadie's having this moment where she's she's obviously not ready to go back to school. But it's been a month, okay, and she's got to go back to school because the law says so. So she goes in, she goes in to um, her parent, her mom's uh, 
room, I think. I think it was their room, but his, her dad's not there, obviously. So she, she goes in there, and she's she's smelling this dress that her mom left behind. And she's like, she clearly misses her mother very much. So she decides, you know what? I'm taking my mom with me today. I'm putting on this dress to remember my mom, and so I can have some kind of comfort. We get that montage. She puts that on. She walks down, and then we see Sawyer there getting ready for school, and they're talking, and they're driving to school. And the dad, irresponsible as fuck, okay? Because he's driving this car, this fucking tin, this aluminum fucking machine of destruction, and he's having a full-blown conversation with Sawyer while, like, looking at her, like, directly at her while driving. And I'm like, bro, please stop. You're giving me anxiety. This is, this is, I know it's a, it's a horror movie, but you don't have to give me this much anxiety, okay? Because I was scared they were going to crash, and then all of a sudden the movie's over, and it's a ha-ha-ha, gotcha, bitch. But... That doesn't happen. They make it to school. And so Sadie is going through the halls. We get a little slow motion. Like, you can't really hear anything montage about... Um, she's just going through and everybody's saying, I'm sorry. I'm saying, hey, sorry for your loss, Sadie. Sorry for your loss. Are you okay? Nam, 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 nam. Right? And so it's, this montage goes on for about, like, 40 seconds, I think. And so, like, just, just imagine just trying to get to your locker and people are like, hey, sorry, sorry. Hey, sorry about what you lost. Sorry that, like, that happened to you, blah, 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 blah. And so she finally gets to her locker and she opens her locker and it's been untouched for those 30 days. Right? Untouched. Like, obviously, you, you didn't go to school. So there's your skill if you watch South Park. And <laughs> so she, she's she's looking at her locker, and she finds this old lunch bag that was there, and that was the last thing her mom gave her, right? She packed her lunch every day, apparently, and she's looking at it, she opens it, and it smells really bad, and it's just like, she's having this moment, just like a little crisis within her about this, this lunch bag, and she's probably thinking, because it still has the things in there, Right, so she's probably thinking of the times she didn't eat the lunch in the lunch bag, right? She's probably thinking of the times that she took advantage of the fact that her mother packed her lunch. She took advantage of, like, having that connection and that, like, remembrance that your mother did something for you, right? So every day she would pack your lunch, and that's something she did. And now that she's not here, not able to do that, that is somehow is really weighing on her. As, a, I, I'm, as I'm watching this movie, like, she's obviously having this very intense moment with this lunch bag. Something that if you're watching, maybe it's not that big of a deal, right? Maybe it's like, oh, I gotta throw it away, right? But to her, in that moment, she's like, damn, this is something my mom used to do for me every day, and now she won't ever be able to. So she's having this moment, and then this... Asian girl comes in, right? It's it's a it's supposed to be her friend, right? Because he comes in like, hey, like you know, like like they're like they're best friends, right? So that character's name is Bethany. She's played by Madison Who, and then they're, they're trying to have a conversation, and then the other group of girls come in. That's another whole group, right? I thought there were bullies at first, which they are, but they're apparently like they're all a friend group, and Sadie doesn't think she's in the friend group, but. Bethany assures her that she is in the friend group. So as you can see, that sounds uncomfortable, right? Not knowing if you're actually in this friend group or not, because obviously they hang out separately. So they're having a moment, and she tells them, she tells the group that um, she's wearing the dress her mother wore, and she's like, whoa, and one of the girls is like, oh, this fucking bitch. One of the girls is like, ugh, isn't that cursed? Yeah, you're a creepy girl. And then she's like, yo, shut the fuck up. And she's like, what? What did you talk tell me? And then she pushes Sadie, and then the fucking, that bag she was having a moment with just all over her. 
So that, all, all that rotten food and stuff, it's all over her, all over this dress that her mom wore. And the last thing that her mom wore, probably, because it's, she smells in the beginning, right, remember? And it's ruined. So she goes home. She runs away. She runs out of school, dips back home. We get this little moment of the dad, Will. He is talking to a client. The client brings up uh, his wife, and then he's like, you know what? Yeah, thank you, but now I think uh, oh, our time's up, and he just pushes the guy away. And as he is saying goodbye to him, he leaves, and then he starts to close the door. And as he's closing the door, boom, this guy named Lester comes in. Okay, apparently he's played by somebody really famous, David Datsmachin. I don't know how to say his name. I've never really heard of him, but his face looks familiar. And also, fun fact, I want a signed movie poster from the cast um, from the Alamo Draft House. So shout out to the Alamo's official account, um, the overreaching one. Um, Yeah, so I'm getting that pretty soon that poster okay so he comes in like through that scene as he's going in and he's finally getting to talk to will but will's like yo i don't got any clients right now like who are you guy what are you doing and um as we know sadie is back in the house and we get a little montage of her as as they're talking right so she just got out the shower she's putting the dress in the wash she's dressed in a hoodie she's casual she's like i'm, I'm over today already and then um lester drops some news he's like you know, I think I can't go to the cops because I haven't committed a crime. I can't go to a lawyer. Um, no, I can't go to a lawyer because I haven't committed a crime and I can't. And I need to tell somebody. And I can't go to the cops because they they'll think I'm crazy and arrest me instantly. So I thought I figured after reading the, your tragedy um, that you would understand the most. And he talks about how he lost his family. He lost his three kids, and it's very tragic the details that he says. But ultimately, he lost one kid, the first kid. He lost them, like, just out of nowhere. Like, it, it was crazy. It was an accident, right? It, at the time, it felt like an accident, right? And then after he lost the, the second, the, second ch- the, the two other children, then, like, before he lost them, they were talking about this entity, this being, this thing that they drew out, right? That that was the reason why, like, they were feeling that way and they were scared and they couldn't sleep. They're scared of the dark, you know, all your standard, like, like tropes and, and theses and... and I don't, I don't think thesis is the right word, but it's a, it's one of those words, motifs, something like that, right? All the standard things like that. And, and Will's just sitting there like, yo, this guy's crazy, bro. He's like, okay. He's like, actually, can you, um, he, he gives him a reason to leave the room. He's like, all right, we can, we can talk, but I gotta go do this first, like real quick, since I, since my hour was open, I just need to make sure this is all right. And he goes, he calls the cops. He's like, yo, this guy's in my house. He said he did this. He said this happened, blah, 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 blah. And the, the cops are on the way. Again, Sadie is in the crib as this is happening. And then since Will is a therapist, he records his client's first interaction. That way it's just for legal purposes, he says. But he's as he's recording, right, Lester's telling more and more of the story, more and more details of the story. And then he starts to go nuts, right? He starts to go nuts as Will is calling the cops. And then he goes in. He's gone from the therapy room, which is concerning because the therapy room is in his house. And Sadie is in the house, too. So he goes upstairs, and he's in, like, the mother's, like, art room, her former art room. She used to be a painter, beautiful paintings all over. And then Sadie feels something weird. She, like, like that feeling, like, as if somebody's looking at her, um, goes into that art room. She sees that there's blood on the floor, and then all of a sudden it starts changing color. So it's paint. Somebody went in there and spilled all the paint. She goes in there to investigate, and 
you know, all the subtle, the music changes, like, the, the, the just the imagery in the background is again a little weird, getting suspenseful, and then she goes in, and then she finds this guy, ultimately, this guy's dead, he's hanging from the closet, how he did that, I don't know, I don't, it's, it's a little sus that the cops later, that as they come, they're going to, like, write it off as just a regular, regular suicide, and I'm just like, Ugh. how did he kill himself? Just on the on the coat hook of the closet, you know? That's not that tall. Like, if you guys could envision that, it's not that tall for him to just die, to be dead. So, that irked me a little bit. And then Sawyer, remember the little girl I was telling you about? Princess Leia from Obi-Wan Kenobi? So, she's coming back. And she's on the bus. And then there's a cops in front of her house. And then one of the girls is like, do you think your dad killed himself? I was like, whoa, what the fuck? Or one of the kids. It was one of the kids. It was probably a, a, a piece of shit boy. But they were like, you think your dad killed yourself? I was like, whoa, that was wild as fuck. I was not expecting that. But this scene is crucial because Lester, the guy who was talking about his past or whatever, apparently the the drawing that his children made for him of describing what was bothering them, what was haunting them, what was like always like harassing them spiritually, I guess. Um, he gives them that drawing. He leaves the drawing in in the office, and not only does he leave that drawing to be found later, but he leaves the entity at the house as well, because the entity, as we heard in the description, attaches to the grief of a family, well, I guess people in general, but it loves to feed on it, it loves to play with your your mind, play with your emotions, and guess who's victim number one? You guessed it, Princess Leia, Sawyer, our girl. Okay, so now she starts experiencing these things that same night. He took no time to prep, to scout who's the most vulnerable. He's like, immediately, I'm going to harass this little girl. Immediately. Like, no ifs, ands, or buts about it. I'm like, that's foul, entity. You're dirt for that. So now we have this buildup of just like the, the thing haunting her the whole time. Just... All day. Every day. And we get like 30 to 40 minutes of just like the girl of like the, the Sawyer being like haunted by this thing. And they go to therapy because it's their regularly scheduled programming at that point. And they're like, oh, she's scared of the dark. She doesn't want to go sleep without the lights on. Da, 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 da. And there was this moment where the dad is like with her at night. And he's like, how do you sleep with these lights on? She's like, easy, like this, and then goes to sleep. And then there's this one lady behind me, the row behind me. She was like, yep, I know that's right. And I was like, yo, that was that was funny. Uh, that was in, unintentionally very funny. I was like, yo, she felt that on a spiritual level. And so they're at this therapist because she can't sleep at night with the lights off. And not only are they handling the loss of their mother, but now they have this as the therapist believes is a consequence of that trauma and of that grief. So she's trying to like get her to be comfortable in the dark she's with her older sister she's with the therapist she's like yo i'm gonna turn the light off right there's gonna be this red little light in the front because red why red lady you could have picked something nice like blue or like yellow but you have to pick red that would be closely associated with blood and satanic things so you went with red you thought red was a good idea to do that to help overcome some trauma i don't know that therapist here you're annoying so this light is now flashing like on and off like in different intervals maybe like a second maybe like three seconds five seconds of intervals right so it's flashing at different intervals and then we see we catch our first glimpse 
first glimpse of what this fucking demon looks like, and I kid you not, bro, I was scared, I was like, god damn, like, who fucking, who left that thing fucking in here, who, who, who invited him, why are you here right now, and for the rest of the movie, this is the character design that the movie chose to showcase this entity, this demon, whatever, whatever it is, for the rest of the movie, but, poop my pants, it was scary, it probably wasn't that scary, but I had already been filled with all this anxiety of the dads driving that, like, my anxiety levels were, were through the roof already. So that little boom, gotcha bitch, that, that scared me. I won't lie to you. Now, let's get into why I believe this movie received its ratings that it, it got. And, and we're not even done with the movie as I was describing it to you, but... There was a moment in this movie where I got my check, and usually I get my check when I go to the Alamo Draft House, uh, 30 to 20 minutes before the movie ends. And I was like, it's always an indicator. It's always kind of like a spoiler to me. Once I get that check, there's like a very limited amount of time left, so, I, so now that gives me an indication of the pacing of this movie, right? I'll probably cut what I just said out before this, so I'm, I'll probably cut that out, but uh, I got the check and I was like, ain't no way there's 30 minutes left in this movie or ain't no way there's 20 minutes left in this movie. So I was like, so shit's got shit's gonna happen right now. Like shit's gonna happen right now. So up until that moment, I don't remember anything. Like not that I don't remember. I could remember it, but not very well. Um, but I can see like that middle part, that whole section is um, a weak point for that movie, I guess, because... The only crucial things that I know that she goes back to school. She gets in an argument with Bethany. They try to make up. Um, they they have they make plans for like a sleepover. She's like, "Yo, you want to make it up to me for what your friends did? Uh, take me to this address." And in that address, she finds the wife of the guy who killed himself in her house. And then he she basically explains to her like what this thing is and how she they should have believed their kids at that point. And she's like a beaded up, battered old battle scarred woman and so she's like ready to fuck that shit up and then so we get to the point where i'm at my um i'm in my seat at the alamo and um i get the check right so now at this point we skipped a lot of the like filler like i would guess people were complaining about the i think you should still go watch this movie though because i enjoyed myself and if you want if you're if you're a a, a young man and you want to take a young woman there or a young other man or a or a young woman taking another young woman. Um, this is a good date movie, I think. If you want to take somebody who's like, oh, I'm so scared, right? And not really actually leave that traumatized. As in, like, as if you were going to watch anything else. Like, it's a, it's a very casual horror movie. Because my sister was there stone-faced the whole time. And I'm like, good for you, girl. Because I'm, I'm, I'm getting the jump scares out of this. Like, this shit's fucking me up. So, um, yeah, it's a good, it's a good little, little date movie. If, like, I'll recommend it. I'll give it a 10 out of 10 for a horror date movie. That's what my rating would be. As a regular horror movie, I'm, I'm happy with the 7.5 I gave it. The sleepover is happening, right? She's uh, explaining some of the things that is kind of like affecting her. They're smoking some weed that her mom left behind. Um, Sadie, not Sawyer, okay? I don't want you to think Sawyer's smoking weed out here. But in the meantime, as like right before we got to this point, after she spoke with the lady, the ex-wife, she started experiencing some of the fucked up shit herself. And so now both of these children are being affected by this entity. And this is where the pacing and the action starts to begin. Because not only do, do they experience this in their house, right? 
we move to another location. So we move back to the house that the ex-wife lived in. I'm going to run through these events real quick, okay? So, so strap in. Let's get ready. Sawyer and Sadie have a moment where Sadie is is trying to take out Sawyer's tooth because it's loose and her mom told and she told her that her mom tied a string to the door in order to get it out. She's like, "Okay, be ready. I'm going to go on go." She's like, "Wait, wait, wait. Can you can you say ready, set, go?" And then do it after go. And then she's like, "Okay, I got you. So ready, set, go." And then I'll go like a second delayed. And then this is where the entity kind of showcases itself for the first time. Like, to both of them at the same time. So she goes, and then door slams dumb hard, yanking the tooth out, and fucking Sawyer's crying. She's like, ah, why would you do that? I told you to wait a second after you said go, blah, blah, blah. And we're at the day of the, um, of the sleepover. Her friends are there. Uh, Sawyer is playing some kind of PlayStation game on the TV. I, for some reason, I thought this was, like, a Sony movie, but it just so happened to be, like, a PlayStation game, I guess. I don't know. I didn't, I couldn't really tell what it was, but so she's doing that. The girls are talking, and then she's like, yo, one of the, you know, remember that bitch I told you about earlier? She was like, oh, can I see the place where that guy hung himself? And so they go in, and then she pushes Sadie into the closet. Sadie is trapped in there with that fucking entity, and she's screaming her lungs out. She's like, ah, ah, get me out, get me out, get me out. And then, um... They, they finally get the door open. Bethany's like, yo, uh, we really couldn't open the door. Like, I don't know what to tell you, and which makes sense, right? But as her, like, friend who's not really her friend, she's like, oh, shut the fuck up. And then the other girl's like, yo, you're fucking crazy. Like, I don't talk to And this, then fucking Sadie punches that bitch that I told you about in her fucking face. And I was like, oh, let's go, let's go. And then so they leave. And the dad's like, hey, what happened? And the girl's like, your son's, your daughter's fucking crazy, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, well, that ended well. And so she's talking to her dad, right? And then that's off screen because now we're focusing on Sawyer, who again, remember, was playing that PlayStation game? So she's there in the dark playing video games, distracted, right? Because video games are a distraction. And if you play video games, you should be ashamed of yourself. Just kidding. But she's in there and then she feels like the vibes change of the room. And she's like paranoid now. She starts like looking around her, and then she hears something, and then she's laying on the couch flat, right? And she's like, oh, for protection, I'll just play some of this game because the light will flash, and it won't really, like, have a chance to get me. So she's, like, shooting these arrows in the game, and when she shoots them, it turns bright red. So there's, like, light in the room. And as we've learned up to this point, darkness is a key motif in this movie where, like, if you're in the dark, you're fucked, right? I hope you picked up on that because if you haven't, like... Where you been? Pay attention. And then all of a sudden, Princess Leia gets fucking yeeted into the TV. And the and the sister and the dad both come down. And she's like, oh my god, she's hurt. How did this happen? And the dad has not been paying attention to any of, thing, any of the things that have been going on in this movie. And there was moments in this movie, again, of the filler parts that I've talked to you about, uh, that he's just been a bad dad. Hasn't been present. Doesn't really know what he's doing. And so they take her to the hospital, and Sadie, the older sister, she gets a call from the ex-wife. She's like, yo, I know a way we can kill this thing. Sorry, I just cracked my thumb by accident. She was like, yo, I know of a way to kill this thing, but I need your help. And she's like, bet, I'm there. I'm coming. So now we get a moment. She's going to the ex-wife's house. She shows up, and then boom, she attacks her and ties her to a pipe. And she's like, Yo, trust me, I got you, but I need you as bait right now. In the theater, I was like, gasp. Ain't no way you just did that. That's fucked up. But it works. The entity shows up after she turns off all the candles that she had out. 
and then it springs a trap. I don't know how Sadie didn't get fucking shot, but this trap was like 20 guns locked and loaded, all shooting in the same like direction. Like not in the same direction, but like but like where she set the trap. So it's all pointing in the same direction, I would say. And so she gets the shots off and then she thinks this thing is dead. Right, and if you and if you know any horror movies, you know that's that's you know that's not the case. It's not gonna die just like that. But this moment in time, it like springs a thought in Sadie's head that you can kill this thing, or you could hurt it, or you could really, really get really close to killing it. Maybe you just need something else, right? Because as they think they're celebrating their victory, that she's gonna. Um, that she's gonna be free of this entity, it gets up and it fucking rips that lady in half. Like, not so, not Sawyer or or Sadie, the fucking the, the ex-wife lady. She just rips her in half, and I was like, that was fucking crazy, bro. Why'd you show me that? Like that was that was really well like edited. Like the effect on that was fucking crazy. I was like, oh, that's wild as fuck. And then so she runs out of the room, escapes the entity by flashing a really bright floodlight in its like path so it couldn't really uh exit the house for some reason that works uh, but i guess it could teleport to her to her own house because she's running back like racing against time to try to get to her house before it gets to her house and this is where the final like climax battle happens in the house throughout the movie i guess this is also a part that the audiences didn't like but she's trying to talk to her mom so she's like on youtube like how to talk to spirits Do you hear that? That, one, that scared the fuck out of me a little bit. Ugh. Ugh. That, again, thinking about this movie is giving me anxiety. I'm like sweating, kind of. And there's this symbol symbolism in a lighter, right? She's like, the YouTube video says, if the light, if the fire bends to the left, that person that you want to talk to is there with you. So she's trying throughout the whole movie, and it doesn't really happen. But now we've got our battle set up, okay? The dad and Sawyer return from the hospital to the house. The dad calls uh, Sadie to let her know. And Sadie's like, yo, you can't be in the house. Trust me, please get out of the house. Please get out of the house. You can't do it. And then they're about to leave. He's like, in there? And he's like, all right, we're going to, I'll trust you. Let's go. And then they get yanked back into the house. And I was like, all right, it's fucking go time. How, Sadie, you're going to kill this thing? I don't know, but I'm rooting for you, kiddo. I honestly thought they were going to pull a smile where everybody loses, but this is what happens. Step one, Sadie finds Sawyer. Sawyer has these Christmas lights uh, all over her, so she's always covered by light. So good thinking, girl, because you know, you, you're smart. You're a smarticle for that. I don't know how the entity didn't fuck with that, but it did it for whatever reason, so she, she had the cheat code. She had to have the cheat code. Step two, go down to the creepy basement where your dad is. So she's walking through it with her sister. They're like obviously trying to be sneaky. Then they fuck up and they make a big loud noise. And she's like, shh, your classic shh in every movie. And they're sneaking through and they see their dad pinned up to the ceiling about to get eaten. And they're like, no. And then they have like a little like like chase scene where it, starts, it drops the dad. And he, like, breaks his foot, like shatters his foot. And I was like, oh, my God. The way they edited that, that effect for that. Had me holding my ankle, bro. I was like, oh my god, my ankle fucking hurts. Because that that looked brutal as fuck. And I don't know how the dad has the willpower to kind of, like, 
move around afterwards trying to catch up to this demon that's chasing their daughters. I'm like, dad strength is crazy. Fabrin would say, yo, that's that dad strength. So that shit was crazy. So they're getting chased. Um, ultimately, the Christmas lights get unplugged. And we've got this moment where Sadie is getting choked out by this entity. Her, her, it's sucking out her like life force, her spirit, pretty much. It's like sucking her. It's like sucking it out of her face. Like you could see it like happening. And the dad gets up and stabs this entity. Right, our, our baby girl Sawyer. She got knocked out in this chase along the way, and so he stabs her. It starts like making noise. And then fucking Sawyer's coming back to consciousness. And then they all run to a corner as they're trying to like. They take their dad, they're trying to run upstairs to get, again, they're trying to escape this, right? They're not really thinking about killing it because they tried and it, and, it, and it fucking failed. So they're trying to escape this best case scenario. So they're running with their dad. I don't know how their dad is running. I'm like, oh my God, boy, did you see your foot break? Did you forget that she was broken? Because that looked awful. They're running around and then boom, this happens. They get cornered as they're leaving the basement. Their dad says um the dad is like trying to like get them to leave without him that he that they'll be okay together and then sawyer he's got this like lighter fluid thing this like little can that you could just spray right and then it'll like be like whatever it gets it's sprayed on it's gonna be on fire and the girl um sadie she's pulls out her mom's lighter and the fire finally bends to the left and that's why i brought that up at the very end the, the fire like the, the motif of the fire. It bends to the left, and then she's like, well, my mom's here, right? She doesn't say it, but she's like, she just looks at it, and it bends to the left, and she's like, all right, bet. And then she starts spraying this fucking demon with the fucking fire, like, this makeshift flamethrower that she had. Starts, like, setting the whole house on fire, like, burning it, the demon itself, like, it's, like, making noises, it's feeling pain or whatever, and then they escape, finally. But before she leaves, she sees this, like, um... The dress of the mom, the one that she wore in the beginning. Her dad apparently put it in storage in the basement, and it's there, like, in a, like, a little silhouette. It's, like, flowing in the wind or whatever, and it's starting to get burnt up, and so she leaves with her family. And that's how they kill the demon, right? Happily ever after, right? The dad is going to therapy with the two girls, so they're at therapy. They're, like, rekindling their relationship. He's trying his best to be a father. He's got a boot on because of, you know, lore, because he shattered his whole fucking foot. And as um, the dad is leaving with uh, Sawyer, Sadie is trailing behind them, looking back on the room for whatever reason, like, that, and she leaves. And I didn't reveal this up until this point, but the entity could copy and mimic your voice. All right, so that's been happening throughout the whole movie. And the therapist, hey, she's like, hey, Sadie, can you come back in here real quick? And then she goes into the room and she's not there, the, the therapist. But what she does notice is this door cracked open, pitch black inside. And that's been one of the themes in the movie too, about the doors being cracked open just a little bit and you can't see anything inside of it. And she's approaching the door and we're getting a, this tense music, this tense buildup, right? Is the demon actually dead? Is it not dead? I mean, what what could have what could have caused that? Because we think the demon's not dead because it, it can replicate the voice, and the therapist isn't in there. And she goes to either close that door or shut it, to close that door or open it. And then the therapist herself walks in, and she's like, "Anything I help you with?" And then she closes the door. She's like, "No, sorry, I thought I 
left something, and the movie ends. And for me, oh, that ending was good. I like the ending of not knowing if you did or did not accomplish what you set out to do. That is the scariest part of the movie because it's you think you've won, and you think you're all right. You think you're moving on, but there's always that chance, that little relapse, right, of something coming back for you. And I think that's why I kind of gave it a little bit more of a favorable review, a favorable rating, as opposed to just giving it a six. Because I think it did a little bit more towards the end to kind of shape that narrative of what it sends you home with. I think part of the movie experience, right, as a human being is the before. Like, do you, did you watch the trailers? Are you anticipating this movie? Is this something you want to go watch? The experience while watching the movie? And what do you take home with you? Those are the three key aspects that I think movie people should be utilizing while reviewing films. I, I think personally. It makes it a more complete experience. Because I remember watching One Miss Call, the Japanese version, and... Me and my sister were talking about it throughout the whole ride home. We were chilling, and we were in the car. And then she just looks behind my driver's seat for a second. Like, she just glimpses over at it as if there were somebody there, and I left my car immediately. I'm like, yo, why would you fucking do that? Why would you do that to me in that moment? Like, what's wrong with you? She's like, I don't know. I just looked over there, and I just... I was like, bro, chill. We just saw this movie. So I think... What uh, the boogeyman sent me home with was realizing that you're gonna sound crazy if something like this happens to you. Regardless if you're what you were before the experience, you're gonna sound crazy. You're gonna come off as crazy. And I think that's the scariest part. That no one is gonna believe you until it's too late. Which we already learned in that movie in the beginning with Lester that he did not believe his family until it was too late. And so now at that moment, we get the precedence of like the precedence of are we not going to believe the girls before, until it's too late? And we learn that we, really, that we don't. We barely, almost, we barely let that almost not happen, okay? But I think a 7.5 is a perfect rating for this movie. And the fact that I get a cool poster with it should make it a 10 out of 10. I love this movie now. But um, I put out a, I don't remember if I put out a tweet or if I'm going to just pretended to have a podcast in my brain. But I was saying that there's going to be this new generation of actors. And we're seeing it now. Right, I told you Sophie Thatcher was in this movie. She's in Yellow Jackets. She's in another movie as well. She's got she's got a movie on her belts. But now we're seeing these new generation of actors who are going to grow up alongside us as we continue to grow up. And they're gonna be when we're older. They're gonna be the the Margot Robbie's of the world. The you know who's that guy from Wolf of Wall Street? Leonardo DiCaprio's of the world, who, are, who have been acting for a while, right? And I'm excited to see that. And that was today's Idolog Mini. It's, it's pretty long. It's not a mini, but it is. Um, and I'll see you on the next one. Bye-bye.